Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome back to Read, Read, Read with your host, Joanne Burrell, on the CWR Talk Network. And welcome to the Read, Read, Read radio show on the CWR Talk Network. I am your host, Joanne Burrell. Thank you for tuning in today. And I want to recognize the other hosts on the CWR Network. They are Lionel Shipman, Jen Hand, Carolyn Owens, and No Sleep and Ms. Shireen Rice, who appeared on our show last month at the end of the year when we wished our CEO and director and former host of the Donnell Edwards Viewpoint Show, Mr. Donnell Edwards, the CEO and director. Ms. Shireen's show is aired on Thursdays, every second and fourth Thursdays of the month. Her show is entitled Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse. Her show airs 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit our website to learn more about the other hosts at the CWR Talk Network. You can also hear our show on other platforms such as Blog Talk, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, Amazon Alexa, when it is available. As you know, our program originates from Maryland, but today I'm on location in Las Vegas. We are also being heard in Tennessee, Illinois, Texas, and Maryland. And for our nationwide audience across the country, here is where you could get more information about our shows, the CWRTalkNetwork.com. In October, the CWR Talk Network added one of the most popular international podcast services in the world, Spreaker. And it comes with a ready and waiting community of over 3 million users. Spreaker's iOS, Android, and Windows Phone apps. Our catalog of programs have been uploaded to Spreaker, and all future programs will automatically upload through our RSS feed with Blog Talk. You can visit my Facebook page to receive the URL page on Spreaker. Today is the 90th birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. His birthday is actually January 15th. And this January 15th, he made 90 he would have been 90 years old. But today is the celebration of the whole world celebrating Dr. King's birthday. And there was an article regarding um, their making a trump card 
in order that others or people that are registered with Social Security Administration to receive a card with their picture ID on it that will allow them to vote and be able to uh, to receive other resources that's available to them. But the most important piece of this legislation is so that people wouldn't have not so people wouldn't have any problems voting. And this uh, legislation was stated by Donald Trump that he suggested that people have a picture ID to vote. And with him making this suggestion, the group uh, in the story today stated that um, the group is asking Trump to issue an executive order instructing the Social Security Administration to create a Social Security card with a photo, a so-called Trump card, Supporters say such an ID will increase civic participation, prevent fraud, and help the disadvantaged find resources. And this is something that Donald Trump has stated that he would support. And the group um, is coming to Dr. I mean, the group is asking Donald Trump to follow through with his uh, support of this legislation. Today, with the celebration of Dr. King's 90th birthday, the radio show Read, Read, Read will have several guests on here with books that will help our youth to feel better about themselves, to increase their self-esteem, and to know more about their history, as well as know what it is that they can do to have a a better time uh, in this world where so much uh, is being During the month of February, the CWR Talk Network is proud to present our special series, Black American Achievement Profiles, honoring the achievement of black Americans from the past and the present, sponsored by Bass Edwards and Associate Virtual Services Corporation, the leader in work-from-home opportunities. Betsy Coleman was one of 13 children to Susan and George Coleman, who both worked as sharecroppers. When she was 12 years old, Coleman began attending the Missionary Baptist Church in Texas and after graduation embarked on a journey to Oklahoma to attend the Oklahoma Colored Agricultural and Normal University, now Langston University, where she completed only one term due to financial constraints. In 1915, at age 23, Coleman moved to Chicago, where she lived with her brothers and worked as a manicurist. Not long after her move to Chicago, she began listening to and reading stories of World War I pilots, which sparked her interest in aviation. In 1922, a time of both gender and racial discrimination, Coleman broke barriers and became the world's first black woman to earn a pilot's license. Because flying schools in the United States denied her entry, she took it upon herself to learn French and moved to France to achieve her goals. 
After only seven months, Coleman earned her license from France's well-known Cauldron Brothers School of Aviation. Although she wanted to start a flying school for African Americans when she returned to the U.S., Coleman specialized in stunt flying and parachuting and earned a living barnstorming and performing aerial tricks. In 1922, she became the first African-American woman to make a public flight. Tragically, on April 30, 1926, Coleman was killed in an act during a rehearsal for an aerial show. She was only 33 years old. Coleman remains a pioneer for women in the field of aviation. Betsy Coleman, Black American history maker and American aviation pioneer. Listen for more Black American Achievement Profiles throughout the month on the CWR Talk Network. Black American Achievement Profiles is sponsored by the Bass Edwards Associate Virtual Services Corporation, the innovative solution to at-home work opportunities by reaching new pinnacles every day with ingenuity, integrity, and class. For more information, call 405-928-3254. birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Meet the black female NASA genius who helped send the first American into space. Don't know Katherine Johnson? Well, she was the black mathematician behind the U.S.'s first trips to the moon. And she made her mark as a black woman despite working in the Jim Crow South during the 1960s. Johnson, who was born in the tiny town of White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia in 1918, was kind of a total whiz kid, and she loved to count. She skipped grades and started high school at the age of 10, which is pretty astounding in its own right. But it's even more amazing considering that schooling for black students in those days typically ended at the 8th grade. Johnson later went to college to study math before graduating at, get this, 18. She went on to be a teacher and later a stay-at-home mom before landing a position at the newly launched NACA, or as we now know it, NASA, at the Langley Research Center in 1953. She was hired to be a 
human computer. Women were hired by NASA to count and measure the results of wind tunnel tests. Not only did female computers work separately from their male co-workers, but the female offices were further segregated by color. Black female computers worked in separate rooms from the white female computers, and were even sometimes referred to as colored computers. But Johnson Smarts couldn't be denied. She was transferred to NASA's flight branch after only having worked there for two weeks. There, Johnson wound up calculating the trajectory for Alan Shepard's 1961 mission. It was the first time an American had been to space, and Johnson made sure NASA got it right. Johnson also helped guide the Apollo missions to the moon and was still vital to NASA long after it finally started using quote-unquote real computers. John Glenn, one of NASA's pioneering astronauts, trusted her work so much that he personally requested she recheck calculations from the electronic computers. Though it's pretty clear that Johnson was critical to NASA's first space voyages, Johnson is still only just getting the recognition she rightfully deserved. She's received numerous awards and was even given the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama in 2015. About time! A biopic, Hidden Figures, about Johnson and her black female colleagues at NASA is also in the works. The movie stars Taraji P. Henson as Johnson and is slated for release in 2017. It also stars Octavia Spencer as Dorothy Vaughn, Johnson's supervisor and genius programmer and coder at NASA for 28 years. R&B artist Janelle Monae is also tied to the project as Mary Jackson. Jackson was not only one of the badass female computers alongside Johnson and Vaughn at that time, but was also a trailblazer in women's rights. She educated black women in her field on how to advance in their careers from mathematicians to engineers and land positions that were normally never offered. Though the release of Hidden Figures is still a while off, it's receiving huge attention from some well-known names. Pharrell Williams jumped on board as not only a producer, but also the movie's music man. He's written songs for the movie and is even collaborating with Hans Zimmer on the score. Johnson is now retired from spaceships and astronauts. She'll be celebrating her 98th birthday on August 26th, which, coincidentally, is also Women's Equality Day. Share if you think Katherine Johnson's story needs to be heard. Welcome back to Read, Read, Read with your host, Joanne Burrell on the CWR Talk Network. Hello? Can anyone hear me? Hello, this is Carla. Hi, Miss Jones. Hello. I was waiting for you to come in. I, we can't hear. We can't hear the show. Right. Can you hear me talking? I can hear you now. No. Yeah, we can hear now, but the show is not on, even online. We can't hear the show. You can't hear the show. Okay. Well, just keep talking. The show okay. should be recording. Did you hear my commercials? We can hear the commercials, but that's it. Even online, it's not it's not on air. Yeah, the okay. commercials would, would play, and then it would go silent. But you can hear me talking? Right now, yes. But you couldn't hear me earlier? 
Well, mm-hmm. it's strange because my daughter says she can hear me now. I can hear you guys. But she's a fan. She sent me a okay. text and says, I can hear you guys. Just continue speaking. So, Ms. Jones, thank you for joining us today. Okay. It's great that I can be here. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about your book, Mama, Where Do Black People Come From? And what was the inspiration for it? Okay. Um, Actually, the book was originally um, created in 1995. So as of this month, it's 24 years old. Um, And uh, basically, um, like I said, it's 24 years old, but it really applies to now. Back in 1995, my pastor, Jeffrey Johnson, uh, did a series on um, black history. He had, um, in February, there were three titles, three to four, but the ones I can remember was um, Black Beginnings, A Holy Heritage, and Out of Africa, I Call My Son. And when he did these messages, he made it so clear to me and everyone on these Sundays that we as black people uh, were here since the beginning of time, and that we as black people were intelligent, beautiful, <clears throat> resembled God, and was kin to God. We were in the same bloodline as God, uh, which being Ham, um, which is our bloodline which attaches us to God. And after I heard those messages, I was like, hey, uh, I am somebody. Not that I didn't think I was, but he had made it so clear, and myself and all the people that day in church probably walked around with our chest stuck out for about a month. And we had a new attitude uh, because it all was made very clear and simple to us. So um, I needed to capture that information um, as to, to, to blacks being here in the beginning because normally when, when I was coming up, I'm 62, when we learned about black history, it was um, – actually, when I was coming I, I don't think we did. And I think I would have enjoyed history more, maybe even school, if there were conversations and books about people that looked like me and had the same experience that I did. Now, my daughter, Danielle, when she was coming up, they did have Black History Month uh, once a year in February where they read about um, um, Martin Luther King and um, uh, George uh, Washington Carver or, you know, some other blacks, but it was only once a month. And so um, once he put this information out there, and because of the way it made us feel, it's like, hey, I need to capture this information and put it in a book for my grandkids. At that point, I didn't have any grandkids, but I knew I wanted them to know at an early age, not when they were 10, not when they went off to some black college or anything, I wanted them to know early that they were black, their history and heritage was great, and that they were part of the lineage of God. So, uh, again, in 1985, I created the book, Mommy, Where Do Black People Come From? And um, basically... It's four parts I really want to capture on. One is there's a poem in there, and um, it basically states that God was created from dirt. And uh, a quick question, what color is dirt? Sand is brown to light brown. There is white sand. Uh, There's dry dirt, which is brown. There's clay dirt, which is red. And there's mud, which is dark dirt. 
So um, just kind of want them to understand that's what we were made of, and dirt is all colors. Um, the second point that he brought out was that um, Noah, and we all have heard the story of Noah and the great flood, and huh? um, and that uh, Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Jepheth, and that our lineage comes through Ham and his sons, Cush, Mezram, Put, and Canaan. So I wanted them to know where their beginnings came from. It didn't start with Martin Luther King, didn't start with us. We've been here from the beginning. And um, uh, the third thing uh, was, and how those three sons, you know, have populated and represented all the races of the world. And Uh that, um, um, that it also, the book also shows a great black, historical leaders and areas in the world where blacks originated or blacks were and how we fought and that we've done battle and we were great kings and queens. And lastly, um, it shows that we are in the same lineage as Jesus and that, you know, in the Bible it states that uh, Jesus' skin was of bronze, hair of wool. And so it depicts Jesus where it he looks like us looks like the kids, so they have something to relate to. And basically the reason why I did this, like I said, was that I grew up, uh, I didn't grow up through the Civil War or, you know, uh, Civil Rights era or Jim Crow era or anything, but my parents and grandparents did. So even though I didn't experience it, I heard about it all the time from them, and I was reminded, you know, what they went through to get us where we are today. Well, as time went along, I got further removed from that. And, of course, my daughter, she was really further removed uh, because she didn't experience any of these things or she didn't have her grandparents to talk about them. Uh, Now, I still talked about them because they were taught to me from my great-great-grandparents and everything. So, um, like I said, she didn't experience any of these life changes or racism like they did in the past. And certainly now my grandkids do not. Um, Basically, they think everything's fine because they get to go to the schools they go to, have the clothes they have and everything, so they don't know the trials and tribulations that we experienced to get to where we're at now. So, again, I wanted to create this book to let them know, um, you know, uh, their history and heritage, where they came from and everything, and that they were great kings and kings before now. So, basically, um, that's it. And it's a full-color children's book, um, easy to read. Um, it's about 12 pages, and it captures the you know the young mind. I'd say from ages uh, five to eight, um, where you can you understand all the words. Its color relates to them, and um, you know an easy read and something that'll keep their attention for a period of time, but pack a real heavy punch in that short period of time. And I think a book like that is so important for our youth today because many of our youth are not even interested in learning their history. And with you asking the question, the title of your book, Mama, Where Did Black People Come From?, would answer a lot of questions that young people may have and that they never really considered until they heard that title of your book and I'm hoping to get that book out to many as to as many people as possible 
because uh, it's a it's a conversation starter, and it will help our young people to really think about what our uh, grandmothers and great grandmothers and great 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 grandmothers and fathers have gone through in order for us to be able to feel comfortable in this exactly. world today. You know, and go ahead. Well, you know, well, the book cover, if you look at it now, you probably kind of wonder, but um, it's it's a mother doing her, her daughter's hair, and then the daughter's holding uh, her, her little brother. And it's not a question that we didn't ask when I was coming up, where, you know, do we come from? Because when I was coming up, it was every every commercial, every everything did not look like me. So now today it's better. Uh, but again, I think kids still wonder uh, because you know, even with my grandkids today, why don't I have this type of hair? Why don't I look like this? Uh, I have my grandchildren are a mixture of colors; they go from light to brown. And mm-hmm. so the question has come up: Well, why do we? Two of them are fair complexed, another one's brown skin. Why do? Why she look not look like us? You know, so. Um, I just kind of want them to, you know, to understand that you're all from the same family, no matter if you're light, sand, white, sand, brown, mm-hmm. sand, dark, dark, that we're all in the same family. We all have the same mother and father, you know, everything. So it's, this mm-hmm. question has been asked. It may be asked in a different form nowadays, but there's still some wonder why am I different and where do I come from, and you know, so... Uh, I think it was relevant then, and it's relevant even today, probably more so, because they have no clue. Yes, it is, because I know when I was younger, no one really asked me what did I want to do when I got older, and I never really considered that question until I got older. Mm -hmm. Um, But now when I ask young people that question, their eyes light up, and they really think about what it is that they want to do. So with your book asking, Mama, where do black people come from? And the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, would do so much for our young people if you know we only had that opportunity to make sure that all of our young people could be asked those questions or given the answers to those questions. Exactly. Now, you're going to be on our show, our Black History show, in the month of February, on February mm-hmm. 16th. But where can people get your book? So maybe they can read it and have some questions for you when, when you come back in February. Okay. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. So uh, it is out there, and it's available for sale currently. Uh, on Amazon, it does sell for twelve ninety five. So, um, like I said, I would encourage you to go out to Amazon and look. And um, it, it's really, like I said, a short read, but it's it's very interesting, and it will help your kids to uh, understand that we just, you know, didn't show up on the scene in 1920, you know, or something like that, that we've, as black people, have always been here, and we've done great things over the past, even in ancient times we did. And um, I, I just think it just reinforces helps the kids at a young age to reinforce that they are um, talented young black kids and we can do anything that we want to. Um, they can do well, anything that they want to moving forward. Well, and we, I think, I, too, mm-hmm. 
Um, I think we had mentioned we, we were talking about you know what can help get kids to uh, read because again yes. I think that's an issue. Um, but again, I think especially at a younger age, um, when when we were growing up, if you didn't see any people that looked like you or didn't have the same experience, you may not want it to read. So um, it's like okay, who are they? So right. now with the pictures and the books that are coming out, you know, they look like us, they have big nose, big lips, kinky hair, whatever, then they can relate and they may want to pick up the book and say, hey, they look at me, let's see what they're doing. They want to pick up that book and read more about it. So I still say at a young age, pictures do make a big difference with young kids to get them to read. I think that's that's exactly one of the things so to be included with some of the things that kids could be encouraged to do to mm-hmm. want to read more because with the pictures, they will come up with questions and want to exactly. know more. I mm-hmm. think that's a wonderful idea. I think mm-hmm. that's a wonderful idea. So, and the title of your book, one of them is Mama, Where Do Black People Come From? And what is uh-huh. the other book? The well, title? the other book um, is African Americans of Giles County, Tennessee. And in brief, um, like I said, I heard about slavery and all, you know, the civil rights era. I heard about all that because Mm -hmm. of my grandparents talking about it. Uh, Unfortunately for me, I went south a lot. And when I say south, I went to Tennessee. Every year we had to go to Tennessee once or twice. Now, that doesn't happen now with kids. You don't learn about the simple life or you don't hear about things that they went through in order to get us to where we're at now. But I did. So um, there was a little farm that my grandparents had, and it was 18 miles south of Pulaski. And Pulaski is um, up the place where the uh, Ku Klux Klan originated. So um, my family had a lot of experiences with them. Not, not a lot. Some I, I can't say any of them were really good, but they endured, and they stayed there. They never left that area where a lot of people moved north and never did. So in the midst of that, again, pictures. Uh, people don't want to read, learn about their history, but I think pictures help. So, well, it's a book that talks about Giles County, which is 18 miles from where the Klan started, and pretty much the struggles and some accomplishments that mm-hmm. the black community in Dixontown had there. And mm-hmm. it just shows different pictures. There's 10 pictures and different things, and it just kind of gives you the picture and explains what it was. Uh, one example, uh, like I mentioned before, that my uh, grandson this weekend, I had him, and he just had the book, and he was just looking at all the pictures, and he just started asking mm-hmm. question, question after question. And one of them was, he goes, hey, is this the fair back then? I'm like, yeah, it's a fair, but it's the colored people's fair. And he looked at me, colored people's fair. Yes, what you don't know is like you go to the fair now. You you were allowed, you you can go to the fair. There's black and whites there. When back in the day, you couldn't go to the same fair. It was segregated. So uh-huh. black people had their own fair. And it's like, oh, okay. So then that leads to another question, which leads, and then he's like, well, tell me more. So again, I think pictures really help to tell uh, at a young age, you know, um, our history and heritage. So um, that book was put out there, and it's been out maybe about 10 or t- well, about ten years. And, um, again, it's a picture book, and it talks about history, black history in the South. And, again, um, some accomplishments and mm-hmm. um, 
some other times. Uh, there, there's another picture now, which I never knew. Uh, again, you learn there's these things called wristlets. And so I'm asking, what is a wristlet? Well, back in the day, um, there were women's guilds that knitted for the, the, the soldiers. And so they would knit hats and scarves and wristlets to put between your hand and the coat so they would keep warm. Well, unbeknownst to me, I'm thinking they're making these for everybody. No, they made them for the white soldiers. So who Uh. made them for the black soldiers? So, again, you had to come up with your your all-black women's guild to make the black soldiers, you know, uh, protective uh, clothing, and on, on, and I found that the, my grandfather was instrumental in getting that uh, women's guild together to make those protective knitted clothing for soldiers in the army at that time, in the Civil War at that time. So you know, like it's just, but until you know, you just relate the pictures with the history. So I think that really does help too. So, um, but just and, and and not only history, just different things. Uh, there's something called a chicken feeder. And it looks kind of like a um, old day lemon squeezer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What's that?" It's a chicken feeder. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, okay." So, I, I I just think they need to know the history, heritage, and just the overall backstory of their ancestors. So that's what and that's I, about. And I think that's important. I think more than your grandchildren need to know that story, uh, in relation to our history, the Ku Klux Klan, and women coming together, or men and women coming together to help protect our soldiers in war mm-hmm. based on their color. Mm-hmm. So that, and that would give us a lot to consider in what we need to do today in helping our children to read more. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, and I look Thank forward to for having, having you next month. It's going to be a spectacular show, uh, and we ask that everybody hearing my voice go pick up the book and join us on February 16th to have a conversation with the author, Miss Carla J. Jones, Mama, Where Do Black People Come From? Thank you, Miss Jones, for being here. Thank you so much, Joanne. You're welcome. We're going to go on to our next guest. Her name is Shawanda R. Randolph, retired from the United States Air Force after 20 years of service. God would use her keen sense of wisdom, insight, and innate leadership skills to help guide, direct, and influence those around her, especially those in leadership and potential leadership positions. In her discipline, work ethic, and problem-solving skills, that led both superiors and fellow associates to depend on her counsel. As a result, many flourished under her advisement and mentorship. Even then, she understood that it was God who gave her the courage and desire to watch others walk their God-given paths in in and outside of the military. Shawanda holds an MBA in healthcare administration from Wilmington University and a master's in theology from Fuller Theological Seminary. She also holds an AAS degree in healthcare administration and human resources. 
She is the proud mother of one very special son. She has published Fresh Manor, Journey to a New Beginning. Welcome, Ms. Randolph. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being here this morning and responding to sh- on a short nort- notice. <laughs> Thank you to all of my guests today for responding on such a short notice on this special day. What is it that you want to tell us about your book and what you have going on today? Uh, so with Fresh Mana, um Fresh Mana is really dealing with identity. Um, so it's interesting that we were talking about uh, Ms. Carla's book um, of dealing with identity um, because Fresh Mana deals with that as well. But the difference, but the, the deal with um, Fresh Mana is that it's learning to truly learn, truly learning to see ourselves through the eyes of God. And um, what's interesting is that I actually dedicated uh, this book uh, to my son uh, for his 21st birthday. That was around a time frame that it was originally written and, and uh, published. And one of the things that I wrote in, in there in the intro, which I encourage everyone to read, is it talks about being more than just someone's child and realizing that the children that we are given while we, you know, we ask for we ask for children, and sometimes we try to make our children in our own image, but the fact is, is that these children are truly a gift from God. And sometimes, in our excitement of having our children, we shower them with gifts and um, and all these things, but we forget to go back to the true Creator and ask Him, you know, who these children are, um, who are these gifts, and and what why were these gifts given to us and what are our true responsibilities to truly nurture these gifts, to help them to evolve, to become who he created them to be. And, and sometimes when we don't do that, again, we try to make our children in our image. You know, we want them to live the life that we did not have. We want to give them all the things that we did not give them, Um, which, you know, that that's fine in some instances, but, we overlook sometimes who it is that they were put on this earth to be. And so with Fresh Mana, we try to tap back into having individuals go through this journey. It's pretty much like an Exodus journey, like the Israelites went through, of rediscovering themselves, but more importantly, rediscovering themselves through the eyes of God and coming back into their true identity so that they can move forward um, on their God-given path. And I think that is so important as well. And it does tie in with Miss Carla Jones' book, Mama, Where Do We Come From? Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of our kids are not exposed to what is available to them in this world. And going through that Exodus journey that you speak about, uh, Shawanda, I think that would do so much for our youth, especially with the reading program. Everything is all tying together. And this is the reason we really need to come together to, 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 to help our children, to help them to come up with plans for their future as God see them. Uh, and, what you're talking about, uh, Shawanda, 
is is really uh, something that would be helpful in that area. I really like your book. Uh, have you? What are some of the responses that you've had from the people that read your book? Um, so I've had um, many. I've had responses from young adults as well as even older adults who've read the book who have gone through different experiences themselves, whether they were stuck in a certain part of their life trying to make a decision, trying to figure out why they were stuck, um, why they could not um, figure out, you know, again, why they couldn't move forward, why they kept finding themselves in the same type of relationships over and over. And Mm -hmm. even people who were my age and and some older who would read through these um, different devotionals each day and they would say, man, I really felt like, this was really speaking to me. I, I really identify with the devotionals that were in the book. And uh-huh. and that's because a lot of it deals with, you know, it makes you really do a lot of digging, um, questioning why you believe the things that you believe. Why do you engage the things that you engage in? Um, uh-huh. Why do you keep the company that you keep? Um, so, it, you know, why do you want some of the things that you want? So it questions all of that, and it makes you question that so that you can really truly sit and do the work. Um, And that's what's important. Sometimes, you know, we get a lot of self-help books, um, and you just kind of read through them. And even sometimes with some of our devotionals, they're great. It makes you get into the Word. But with with the difference with Fresh Manna is that you have the Word that is in the book, um, but it also gives you questions each day to really make you sit down and reflect. Um, and dig deeper, and it challenges you to journal as well so that mm-hmm. you can really answer some of those questions mm-hmm. um, and not, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, and one of the things is, you know, like say with my son, for his birthday, um, I buy my son, you know, gifts just like anyone else will buy their child a gift. But my gifts are very intentional. So my son, when he was very young, um, he mentioned that he wanted to be a doctor. And so I listened to that. And so sometimes as children, they don't always understand what they're saying, but it's crucial for us to really take note to what they're saying so that we can take that to God and say, okay, what is he saying? And help us to understand that. Uh So again, we can nurture seed. And so realizing that, my son mentioned this at, you know, four or five years old, and it was actually printed in a, in a newspaper because, uh, you know, they came out to his school, and he was the only kid that would actually say, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. And, oh. and I've kept it. And my son now is, you know, about to turn 23, and he's headed to vet school in the fall. So, you know, and I, and I continuously remind him, God gave that to you. When you were young, you didn't just say that out of your mouth just to be saying it. It was something that I had to listen to, mm-hmm. and I had to help nurse. So whenever things would come up, it was to continuously feed that so that it would help that grow. So at times it was send him to a place that he could learn more about being a vet. You know, he plays three different instruments, so, you know, give him an instrument. For his birthday, whether he knew how to play it or not. But if he said, I want to learn how to play this instrument, well, go buy the instrument uh-huh. and let him play the instrument. But it, it's key for us to, to nurture those things instead of just saying, well, you know, you're just joking around. You don't really know what you're talking about. 
because they they may not know, but in our wisdom, we're supposed to tap into. We're supposed to get go to God for that wisdom so that we can help that. Um, I so you know it's it's just really important that we are like I said going to God to ask Him for direction to to nurture what our youth is saying so that we can help them to become who God created them to be. And I agree because when I was a young girl, I I remember saying I want to be a a nurse. And if I had really been thinking, I would have thought I wanted to be a teacher. But it connects with the program that Mm -hmm. the radio station supports, the Read, 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 uh, Mentoring and a reading program because it's to assist parents to do exactly what you're saying we need to do with our children. But Absolutely. you're going to be on the show next month. And yes. where can people find your book? So maybe they could read the book by the time the next show airs and ask questions. So where Absolutely. can they find um, your book? Mm-hmm. So Fresh Atlanta is on Amazon, but it's also on most online stores. So it's on christianbooks.com, Amazon, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. But they can also um, go to shawandarandolph.com, and I will send them autographed copies. So especially if you have a youth that you would like to give that book to, um, if you go to shawandarandolph.com and order it from me, I will find the copy for them and put a message in there for them, and, and we'll send it out to them. Well, I look forward to you being on the show next month, and I look forward to reading your book. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Now for our third guest, and um, not to say anything bad about you, Ms. Jones or Ms. Uh, Shawanda, but he's going to be my favorite guest today, and his name is Nicaea Randolph. And he's the nephew of Shawanda Randolph. And I met Nasir through Shawanda. And he's such a joy to talk with. He has, his future is so bright before him. And he has so many things he, he wants to do, but he has many things that he's doing now. And I'm so proud of him. And his name is Nasir Randolph. And let me read his biography before he comes on. Nasir is a freshman at Benedict College in South Carolina, majoring in psychology and social work. He has worked as an independent contractor for over three years as a graphic designer, building websites and more. In 2018, he's established Roaring Lions Media, um, business Roaring Lions Media, a brand and business consulting company. They administer everything from helping you draft press releases and developing online media campaigns to building your idea website. He's also an AXO participant. And AXO is the Afro-Academic Cultural Technological Scientific Olympics where students can compete in over 31 categories. And that's one of the programs that I co-chair in the state of Maryland. So welcome, Narcia. Please introduce Welcome, good yourself. afternoon. 
How are you all doing? Um, it's been a pleasure to hear Ms. Jones and my aunt, Ms. Randolph. Um, I'm Nasir, <laughs> as you all know. Um, I'm an 18-year-old freshman, a second-semester freshman, and, yeah, that's me. I'm so happy to have you here. And one of the things that I want you to talk about is you're establishing an NAACP program at your school. I thought that was awesome. Oh, um, so I established um, the NAACP chapter in my high school, Washington Township High School, um, October 19th, 2017. Um, it happened because there was a group of students who um, I was really close with that I was friends with because I've been in my I was in my school district in second grade. Um, I finally got to senior year. Everything was great. Um, I thought everybody loved me. Then I found out that some of the people that I was close with sent out text messages about saying that um, black people need to go back to the zoo and how we're monkeys, um, and they were going to bring the KKK back, and they were calling us the N-word, and all of these things that really hurt because it was the people that I thought I was friends with. Um, And they got around social media so fast, um, and it almost turned into a big fight in my school against the African-American students and the Caucasian students. So me and a couple of my friends, joined together and protested administration to deal with this issue because they tried to just push it off, but they were like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. And so we went in um, and said, no, something has to change. And from that, um, I created the NAACP chapter, which became um, a safe haven for African-American and college students um, at a school that had 3,000 students and only 8% of them were colored. Um, to give them somewhere to where they have hope and they feel like they can come talk to someone. Because growing up, I never felt like I had it in my school. So I I want to create something before I leave to give it to students. And it has literally helped me meet so many people. Through that, I joined the program Axel that Ms. Joanne talked about. Um, I was able to go to San Antonio, Texas for nationals for competing in oratory. Um, And that's my story. You know, and I'm so happy to hear your story, and that's a story that all of our youth need to hear. You know, and when I'm working with the youth in Montgomery County, we have to go to the schools. We we have a liaison that help us to get this information to our students. We try to provide uh, mentors and try to get them started earlier than than later, and it's like pulling teeth. But you established a program in your school, and then you heard about AXO. That's amazing. Yes. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And I think other students need to hear that because it, it will help them to get a fire under them in a different way. And listening to all three of my guests today, if they was to hear a little bit from each one of you, it would give them a different view on life and will help maybe uh, a way for black people to come together sooner than later to organize um, different ways that our youth could, could, could build their self-esteem to know what it is that they want to do with their lives and maybe change some things that they're doing with their lives. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Nasir. What else are you doing? What else would you like for us to know? Because I'm just so fascinated with what you've done. <laughs> well, um, along with that, like one of the things that I kept hearing all of everyone say that was on the show today um, is about images and how you view yourself. 
Um, and that's why recently I started a brand, I mean, a business, um, Roaring Line Media Company, um, because I see how it is so important about how people view you. And it is an empower, important about how you view yourself. Um, so it started about three years ago. I was working for my church. I was just building flyers um, just to make sure that our church, when we have events, people would see us and that we on social media looked how we were as a ministry. Um, and then I began to really like and I began to work with some other customers um, for businesses. And I was like, it's really important about how people view us. So I found the love in branding and marketing. And so from there, um, I started my business, Roaring Line Media. Um, officially, we're going to be launching February 1st, 2018. So our website will be out. And so we're accepting more clients and stuff. Um, but I just, when I do that, we administer everything from helping drive press releases, develop online campaigns, um, building websites, branding, graphic designing, and we do, we do consulting. Um, so we help you create the most impressive media you desire, um, and we take care of all the details for you, um, and we just want you all to look like you all want to look in the brand that you all want to present. Well, Nurse, media. and what is your website? Because you're going to be on the show as well, February 16th, 2019. But okay. your website is going to be released February 1st. First, 2019, correct? Yes. What is yes, the website that people could look for February 1st, 2019? And that way, when we do air on February 16th, people may have questions for you. Okay. Um, the website is roaringlionmedia.com. And on social media, it's the same for everything on Facebook. Our Instagram and Twitter is Roaring Lion Media. RoaringLionMedia.com. Dot com. Okay. Yes. Well, Narsir, again, thank you so much for being on the show at such a short notice. I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, but we've come to the end of our show, and we will speak with you again on February 16, 2019, on the Read, Read, Read radio show. And I look forward to people calling in, asking you questions, and uh, participating in some of the activities you have going on at RoaringLionMedia.com. Thank you so much for being on the show Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate all three of my guests for being here on the show. Ms. Carla Jones, Ms. Carla J. Jones, author of Mama, Where Do Black People Come From? Ms. Shawanda Randolph, author of Fresh Manna, and Narsir Randolph, founder and CEO of RoaringLionMedia.com. I look forward to having all three of you back here on February 16th talking more about how we could get our students more involved in their lives as well as reading more. Until then, thank everyone for being here on this show. And remember that mentors are needed in our community. And contact me if you know of any student that want to participate in the Read, Read, Read mentoring 
and reading program, contact me at read, 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 1619 at gmail.com. Thank you, Mr. Edwards, for making this show possible. And peace out, everyone. I appreciate you all. Thank you.